Hello, and welcome to the IMG Podcast, where we are dedicated to empowering IMGs through deep diving conversations, inspirational stories, analysis of match trends, and beyond. Our mission is to help you learn what it takes to succeed and to thrive as an international medical graduate. Hello, friends and residents and candidates, and welcome to today's success story interview, where I have the pleasure of speaking with matched applicants and match resident ambassador, Tara Jameson. So welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your match, what specialty is, and where you landed? Yeah, so uh, as Zeph already said, my name is Tara. I am a final year medical student at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. I originally hail from Ontario, Canada, and I ended up matching in pediatrics at the Boston Combined Residency Program. That's amazing. And was pediatrics something that you always knew you wanted to pursue, or how did you come to get into that uh, specialty of interest? Yeah, so pediatrics has always been an area of interest for me. I came into medical school itself as a non-traditional student. Um, my undergraduate degree as a Bachelor of Music in Music Therapy. So I worked as a pediatric music therapist for two years after completing my undergraduate degree before I decided to transition into medicine to become a pediatrician. And so what made you want to take the leap from being a music therapist into, you know, uh, pursuing a medical degree and pediatrics? Yeah, this was actually a question that came up a lot on the interview trail for me, just because yeah. it is something that's kind of really interesting about who I am and my application as a whole. And for me, it really came down to, I loved the work that I was doing as a music therapist. I loved the impact that I was making. But the more time that I spent with these children, I spent with these families, the more interested I became in the pathophysiology of the diseases that brought them to music therapy in the first place. And then I became more interested in how I could help and assist these families in a medical way. So it kind of seemed that that would be the appropriate transition for me from music therapy into medicine based on my clinical interest and the impact I wanted to make for these families. It's amazing. So can you just tell everybody a little bit more about what music therapy is, just in case they're not familiar with that? Yeah. So music therapy is an allied health profession. Uh, it falls under the same umbrella as recreation therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy. It falls under those allied therapeutic professions. And what it is, is you're using music as a therapeutic tool to create interventions to assist patients and clients with non-music goals and objectives. It's amazing. So when you actually got into medical school, was it something that you felt prepared for? How did your whole experience in medical school go? Yeah, so I would say that medical school was a really big transition for me. So when I came in, I had to sit the MCAT in order to get into my program. So I had a lot of self-study that I needed to do to prepare, to prepare for the MCAT itself before I started medical school. However, once I was in, I had a program that was had a track record of helping students like me who came from these non-traditional backgrounds to be really excellent physicians because I would say something that I do bring to the table is I have a different perspective than students who went the traditional kind of route to medical school. So while I had to work a little bit harder for some of the things like biochemistry, um, molecular, molecular genetics, molecular studies, 
what I had an advantage of was that I had real world, real world clinical experience that I was coming into medical school with. I'd worked in a clinical environment before I'd worked with patients before. And that was something that I felt very, very comfortable with. So while I did have to kind of work a little bit extra in those first couple of years to pick up some of the more science background that's necessary to be an excellent physician, I was able to transition that and bring in the clinical skills that I already had. And so when you decided that you were going to pursue residency in the U.S., what was the factors leading up to that desire and choice? Yeah. So there were a couple of things. So for one, I'm Canadian. And when I was looking at residencies to apply to, I was looking in Canada and the United States. And in pediatrics specifically, the training in the U.S. is a little bit faster to become a pediatrician. The residency is three years instead of four to five years in Canada. Um, and then also there's more opportunity for subspecialty fellowship in the United States as opposed to Canada, which is something that I am interested in. So when I was looking at where I wanted to do residency, the U.S. was becoming more and more advantageous to me. And then also I have a personal connection. My partner is American. He's also a medical student. Um, so that also was kind of driving me to want to go into the U.S. because then we can be in the same country, even if we're not in the same city or state. And so do you know what sort of subspecialties you are interested in? Yeah. So in pediatrics, I'm really interested in pediatric cardiology. I think it comes down to the fact that I experienced the world because I was a musician. I think that I experienced the world by listening to it. So for me, auscultation and listening to different heart sounds or different breath sounds is something that I find very interesting uh, and something that I am surprisingly very good at uh, or non-surprisingly. So I think that it comes down to the way that I experience the world and that kind of drew me into cardiology. And I just, I really enjoy it and really love it. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it was like to actually start preparing to apply to residency? Um, did you feel like you had a good sense of what you needed to do or were there any bumps in the road for you along the way? Yeah, so I would say that there were a few things that impacted my residency application. For one, the coronavirus pandemic was definitely something that had a major impact on my application because for one, when I was sitting step one, it was right in the middle of my kind of step one prep. So that kind of threw a wrench into things. And then two, while I was applying to clinical electives at the end of my third year, a lot of programs in the U.S. weren't taking or weren't considering IMGs for clinical electives because of kind of the travel restrictions that existed around IMGs and also trying to make space for their own applicants. So for me, I was well aware of the process from speaking to students in the years above me at my medical school. That was something that I was really fortunate to have that a lot of IMGs don't. But I still faced a lot of the same struggles with how do I get an elective position when places aren't taking IMGs? How do I make sure that I have the appropriate experience with an electronic medical record that I can speak to in an application? How can I highlight the differences in the education that I have as an IMG and what strengths can I demonstrate that will make me a positive applicant in programs. So those were different things that I struggled with. I did eventually overcome them. I was able to find clinical electives. I got experience with an EMR and then I got experience in the American healthcare system because in something like pediatrics, it looks a little bit different 
in a lot of international locations as opposed to the United States. So how were you able to actually get those experiences, even though there were obstacles in the way? Yeah. So for me, what I was able to do was I was able to leverage my personal connections. And for context, no one in my family is a doctor. I'm the first person to go to medical school. I don't have a ton of connections in the medical community. However, what I found is that for a lot of individuals, if you ask, so many people are willing to help if you just ask the question. Even if they, they can't help you personally, they might be able to point you in the direction of someone else. So for one of my electives, I got it from my dad has coffee with a bunch of his friends at five o'clock in the morning in the basement of a coffee shop. And one of them knew a doctor who they were friends with. And that doctor knew another doctor who has kids. And it was that doctor's kid's pediatrician. So it's, it's a lot of tangential connections. So while I didn't know anyone personally, leveraging those personal connections was how I was able to find someone who was willing to help. And while I was able to get two elective experiences for the summer, which is amazing for being an IMG and for being in the COVID pandemic, I had maybe 20 no's before that. But what I was able to do was learn something along the way. Someone wasn't able to help me get an elective at their institution because they weren't taking an IMG. Well, maybe they can direct me to someone else who is able to help me or say, you know what? Maybe try to focus more on getting outpatient experience rather than inpatient experience. I know inpatient experience is ideal, but because of the COVID pandemic, maybe start asking for more outpatient experiences, or here's a website you could check out, or here's someone else you can call. And it was those things that were most valuable because I was able to learn different things along the way. That sounds like the big lesson is to keep persevering, learn as you go through the process and just keep at it until you do find that friend of a friend of a friend (laughs) who can help. And yeah, that's one thing that we tell people all the time, which is leverage your network, whether it's specific to medicine or residency or not. Um, But you never know who can be that person that's going to get your foot in the door and get that specialty specific letter of recommendation. So that's really amazing to hear. Yeah. And I would say it's about trying to find experience in your specialty. It's amazing if you can get an elective at your dream program. But for a lot of people, that's not going to be feasible. Certain programs don't take IMGs. There are restrictions because of COVID. There have been kind of restrictions for any number of reasons. But getting experience in your specialty demonstrates that you have commitment to that specialty, but also demonstrates that you can learn in an American environment in your specialty. Yeah, absolutely. So what were some of the things that programs asked you about from your application or personal statements or letters of recommendation during your interviews? That's a great question. And I found that it was really varied. Some programs wanted to hear about my research experience, which I have one research experience, a few posters, um, no papers. So my research experience is a little bit limited in comparison to some of my other applicants. But some wanted to hear more about that because their program does a lot of research. Some wanted to hear about my clinical experience before medical school. Some wanted to hear about the electives that I did over the summer because their program maybe didn't do as much research, but had a lot more clinical things going on. 
And then some wanted to hear, I remember one program asked about the 10K that I ran that was in the very bottom of my like hobbies and achievements section, the bottom of my, of my ERAS application. And someone asked about a random award that I had won one of my first two years of medical school. So it was really varied and it really depended on what each program focused on. There were certain things that all of the programs asked me about. All of them asked about my experience on Ireland's Got Talent because I was a, I participated in the second season of Ireland's Got Talent. And all of them asked about my YouTube channel because those were things that really set me apart as an applicant. And for me, my YouTube channel was something that I consistently did through all four years of medical school and was able to show growth, things that I learned and how they'll translate into a residency position. Yeah. And were there any questions that were totally surprising, you know, in terms of the nature of the question themselves? Ooh. There were a few. There were a few that I think took me off guard. Um, trying to think of them now, really. Uh, I mean, I got, I got kind of your standard barn door questions. What's something that, what are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? Um, I had a couple of barn door questions, like not barn door, but uh, like out of, off the wall questions. What's your favorite scented candle or like random, random questions like that. And I think they're more just trying to see how you respond to them, what your thought process is. And then I think my favorite question was actually asked by the program director of the program that I matched to. And he asked something that no one else had ever asked me the whole interview trail. And he asked, what drives you? Mm. Which had, was something that no one had ever asked me. And then after he asked the question, really made me think, why don't more people ask you what drives you? Because what motivates each individual person is going to be different. So the way that my program director is going to want to motivate me as a resident, as compared to how they're going to want to motivate my co-resident is going to be completely different. So knowing what drives you as a person is really important. And I loved that question. It's a really great question. I feel like it helps illuminates more about the person and you know what is really behind them like what what gets them out of bed every day what motives that motivates them to continue working even when things get tough um so yeah that's that's a great question and did you end up having communication with programs after your interviews uh for some of them yes so i always sent a thank you email um now for some of the programs, I would send them to each individual interviewer if I felt that I'd made a really good connection with them. Like if it was three interviews that were all 30 minutes long and you got to have a really good conversation, I would try to send a thank you note to each interviewer. Um, for most of my programs, I also sent handwritten thank you cards um, just because that's who I am as a person. I love getting snail mail because I find that, you know, when you're getting mail, it's always a bill and you're always kind of oh, so upset about it. But I love getting cards in the mail. So I always sent a thank you card as well. Um, and then if I had questions about the program afterwards, um, all of my programs, when they kind of closed off the interview, were all very happy and said, if you have any questions, send them to our program director, send them to our chiefs. We'll be, we'll be happy to answer them. 
So for me, for example, at my top choice residency, I had a couple of questions about the visa that I was going to be coming on, how that was all going to work. And they were really, really responsive with wanting to answer those questions and what exactly that was going to look like. Did you find that it was somewhat more difficult to find compatible programs that accepted or sponsored the visa that you're going to be working on? So I was really flexible with the visa that I was going to be coming on. I was happy to come on a J-1. I was happy to go on an H-1B. I haven't sat step three yet. So for the most part, I was looking at programs that sponsored J-1s. Um, but my program does sponsor H-1Bs and wants me to take step three as soon as possible after graduation so they can get me the H-1B visa, which is amazing. Um, but for me, I actually had a really amazing time because I was already I had already narrowed down my list mm -hmm. to only programs that sponsored visas. And I used Match a Resident to help me with that just because awesome. sometimes it can be really hard on a program's website. You're going through each individual website. You're trying to find the information. So it was really nice to have it all kind of collated in one spot to say, all of these programs sponsor visas. Residency Explorer was also really amazing for that. I would find that sometimes there'd be missing information, which wasn't ideal, especially for the visa question, because yeah. some programs were too small and didn't really report to Residency Explorer. So you wouldn't really know, do they, don't they? And then their website isn't updated or I can't access it from my country. So Match a Resident was really helpful for that. Perfect. And so when you were actually making your rank order list, what sort of factors were coming into play when you were deciding who's your number one and where everybody else should fall on the list? Yeah. So I would say two things went into play. Uh, one, at the end of every interview, I used the rank assist feature on Match a Resident. I filled out the standard questionnaire. I put in notes to the side so I could like have notes fresh immediately out of the interview so that I was making my rank order list. I had notes. I could see, oh, I really like this about that program. Mm, this was something I didn't quite like so much. So that was helpful, kind of having the option to have notes stored somewhere all side by side so I could look at them all side by side. The other was having that kind of standardized quiz so I could get a number. Did I follow that ranking from the quiz to a T? No, but it actually was really great in saying, I could compare these two programs and say, you know what? I liked the residents at this program more than I liked them at this program. And having kind of a numeric metric to use was really helpful. And then finally, kind of for just some things that I was taking into account personally, location was really important. I wanted to be within an hour of a major airport so that I could get back to Canada to my family or get to wherever my boyfriend was going to be matching to. So being within an hour of a major airport, super important to me. The other thing that was really important was access to my specialty of interest. So for me, because I'm interested in pediatric cardiology and specifically in structural and congenital heart disease, having a program that has access to pediatric cardiothoracic surgery was really important to me. So that was a question I asked all of my programs. Do you have a pediatric cardiothoracic surgeon? Do you have a pediatric cardiac ICU? What does your cardiology program look like at your, at your program? And then that really helped to structure my list. Everything in the top half of my list, they all had a cardiothoracic surgeon in-house at their program. The bottom half of my list did not. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what are you looking forward to most or maybe a few things that you're looking forward to about your upcoming residency training? One, just 
getting to learn so much and finally getting to be in my specialty of interest. For me, because I love pediatrics and so much of medical school is focused on adult medicine, not that adult medicine isn't great. And all of my adult medics out there, I love the work that you do. I could never do it. Um, But getting to actually work in my specialty of interest and do what I love to do most, that's probably the most exciting part. Um, I love to work and I love to feel like I'm a contributing member of society. So finally getting to work and contribute and get a paycheck and all of that stuff is also important to me. And then finally kind of getting to start my career because being in medical school, we've been in school for so long that getting to actually kind of feel like you're moving forward with your life and your career and you're getting started on that, that whole journey where now I can think about, do I want to buy a house somewhere? Do I want to like get married and have kids? I can start to have all of those kind of adult conversations with myself and those adult thoughts now that I'm in my late twenties and finally finished with school. And do you see music therapy as being something you're able to incorporate into a pediatric practice? This is actually a question that, again, came up a lot for me on the interview trail. And for me, I see music therapy as something that has influenced my practice of medicine a lot, especially in the way that I interact with patients, because so much of my training as a music therapist was on building a therapeutic relationship with your patient or client and being able to communicate effectively with them so that you can achieve their goals and objectives. I don't see myself formally practicing as a music therapist, but I can see myself taking the information and the kind of practice of interacting with other people, building a therapeutic relationship as a physician, and then using that to achieve the goals of our patients, which for in pediatrics, It's to have a happy, healthy child for the most part. So whatever I can do to help this family be happy and healthy and whole is what I want to do. That's wonderful. Um, Do you have any final words of wisdom for those who are applying in the upcoming cycle? Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Um, Try to focus on what you can control. Let go of what you can't. Not everything is going to go perfectly all the time. And you've got this. Those would kind of be my final words of wisdom. Perfect. Well, how can people follow you, stay in touch with your journey in the coming years as you progress throughout your uh, pediatric residency and professional career beyond? Yeah. So you can find me on YouTube or Instagram. Uh, at the handle Tara Jamison Music. Um, and I'm quite responsive. Or you can go to my website, www.tarajamison.ca. Um, that's, that's where you can find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your insights. And I can't wait for everybody to learn from your process and progress. And we wish you all the best for everything to come. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to hearing more success stories from you guys next year. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you guys. You're going to be amazing. All right, dear friends, that concludes this episode of the IMG podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and will tune in for upcoming releases. 
You can learn more by visiting Match Resident on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Thank you. And until next time, take care.